Welcome to 3ND, your source for great NBA talk from our spot here in the T-Dot. My name is Dave Levitt. That's the D. This week's three. First up, we talk about the Raptors' current situation. Losers of 14 of the last 16 games. It's time. Is it time for the Raptors to develop their bench and maybe put away thoughts of that 10 spot? Then we talk about whether or not OG and Pascal are the next uh, Raptors stars on the block. And finally, we wrap it up with a great discussion about Kawhi Leonard not being uh, re-signed by the Clippers right now and what that means for overall team building in the NBA. My guest this week is longtime basketball fan and season ticket holder, Dill Graywall. So sit back, relax, and let us walk you through the big three stories from around the association. Morning, Dill. Hey, how are you? Good. Nice. Uh, nice to meet you. Same. Same. Yeah. It's nice. Uh, thanks. We got to appreciate thank Dwayne for connecting us. Yeah, absolutely. How How do you know Dwayne? <laughs> so Dwayne and I have actually been like, you know, good friends, best of friends since uh, high school. So we, oh, we, you guys we played. Uh, yeah, we we were started off as kind of high school basketball teammates and have just like. Been kind of good, good friends since since then. That's awesome. Yeah, my I, I met Dwayne. Uh, well, so it's funny because I knew of Dwayne from the the show, the the one on one show he did, yeah. the radio show he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, he's just a guy on the radio, voice on the radio. And then my wife started working with um, MLSC as their in house sort of their not in house, but the the, the go to person for uh, set design. Oh, and cool! Art, and art decor, and I end up. She's like, I need another set of hands, and the, my her usual assistant wasn't available, so I was there. And then Dwayne and I just sort of, you know, hit it off. We were there doing the court surfing set when he was the when he was producing court surfing. Yeah. And then ever since then, we've just like, uh, you know, he emails and stuff like. That. So yeah, I, I do have to thank him. He's kind of helped me launch this whole show. So yeah, it's really that's cool. awesome. Look, it's it's. Uh... It's it's a lot of fun. Like I mean, I think you know we're very as a group of friends. There's four of us that have been close since then, and you know, we're all very proud of doing everything he's accomplished and kind of he really pursued his passion and uh, it's, it's worked out well. It's working out well, and it's continues the journey. But like you know, it's awesome to see a guy who really loves to do something and then just go after it, and then it's really resulted in a lot of success and I'm sure more in the future. But it's it's a cool journey to experience. Just like you know, watch him go through it. Sure, sure. Well, I mean. It- and um, you're you're a big hoops head too. I mean, 16, 16 years of the that's a long time. Yeah, man, we lived through some dark days. Oh, I don't want to go through. And I, and I see some storm clouds, uh, you know, forming right now. Hopefully, it's just a sun shower. Hopefully, it's just a little, you know, little spring shower, not not the big rainstorm that was, you know, the yeah. early two thousands. Yeah, that was not a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, that was hard. Yeah, so you grew up here then. You grew up in, in Toronto. Yeah, then. I grew up in Scarborough, Markham. Oh, right on. What part um, of Scarborough? So I grew up at Kenny and Ellesmere. Right on. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So you probably went to Ellesmere Staten. I went to Ellesmere Staten. I finished there and then I went to, yeah. So I, I was almost the, I, I say almost because I was actually promoted to vice principal at that school. And then before I could get the job, they they reneged on the on the whole thing. It got blocked. Oh, wow. Um, oh, you're so you're the you're the teaching profession then. Yeah, yeah. I'm a vice principal um, at an elementary school in Scarborough. Um, I've been teaching in Scarborough for ooh, 
13 years. Which, um, which school are you at now? So I'm at, I'm at Churchill Heights Public School over at Markham and Ellesmere area. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yep, I know it well. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, we feed into Woburn and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, my cousin went to Woburn. That's why I know that. <laughs> yeah, right? It's a small world, yeah. man. If you, It's a small world. It's it, We always joke, too, like, as big as, you know, Toronto is and as big, if you spend any time in Scarborough, if you spend, like, two or more years in Scarborough, you will always find people who, who are connected to Scarborough. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And then it's, it's so funny because I, you know, I went to university at York, so and then I lived downtown for the longest time. And I'm like, ah, Scarborough, so far. Like we used to joke about it. We used to call it Farborough. Like, why am I going up? <laughs> and like, oh my god, I got to go all the way to the Farborough and blah blah blah. And now, like, my entire teaching career has been out here. My, you know, like my wife and I live at Birchmount and uh, and Finch, like right behind yeah. the hospital. So like, it's so funny, you know, how how little things you're like, Scarborough, so far. Now I'm like, Scarborough's the best. I love it. So I, I don't know if you knew this, but Dwayne's parents and he grew up at Birchmont Steels. I I remember him saying something like that. That's how. Yeah. I, yeah. So did he go to Campbell? No, he went to Milken with me. Well, he went to. So it was weird because we, we he went to Unionville for two years because we didn't have a high school in Milliken. So right. I actually went to Churchill for two years, and then we all went to Milliken in grade ten. That's for grade. Uh, was it grade ten or grade eleven? Now it was grade ten. That's hilarious. Grade ten. No, grade 11. Sorry, grade 11. Birch Mountain Steels. Wow, that's hilarious. Yeah. He told me he was just there yesterday because I was talking to him in the evening and he said that he just visited his parents. But yeah, so that is a very small world to your point. So we used to go to, uh, it was funny, I was talking to some guys I know and, and we were just saying like, we would drive when we were in high school, we would drive anywhere for a basketball game. And we used to go down to, there was an outdoor court at um, just north of by Bethune, so not far from where it was a bit further east, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, a bit further west. And we used to go there to play. We used to go play at Campbell. We used to go play at Lamoureux. We used to play anywhere. We would just drive me to and those other two guys, and we would just. It was like, so we used to know all the basketball courts up in the kind of northern part of Scarborough because it was like within our range of let's go somewhere to play, find a game. Yeah, right. Like that's just, and it's funny because that that um, there's that pickup game, or there's that there's that outdoor court, and it seems like a regular pickup game. At um, was at uh, McNichol and Birchmount, like the the Lamoro yeah. kids. Like, That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There seems to be a regular pickup game going on going on there. Like every as soon as the weather gets gets half decent, there's like twenty guys out there playing. I saw guys That's playing it. last so... summer, um, and they were all you know trying to be responsible. So, so everyone was playing. Basically, just, I overheard them because I was walking the dog. And they're playing. Uh, it's five on five, but they each have to. You like when you pick a guy, you have to play. You have to play man. You have to guard that one guy. <laughs> I was like, whatever works for you guys. Whatever. I don't know that that's that that's actually how medicine works, but if that works for you guys, <laughs> uh, it's too funny. Okay, so the way this works is we're just going to take a couple of seconds of like dead air, so I have a clean cut, um, and then we'll just jump right into the topics if you're good to go. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thanks. Okay. So here we go. All right, my guest this week is Dill Graywall. Dill, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. All right, so let's jump right in, shall we? Um, the first thing I want to talk about is what's up, what's now for the Raptors. I think a week ago or a little over a week ago at the trade deadline, they thought, okay, maybe we make a move, maybe we can make a move on 10th. But the streak has continued uh, two wins out of the last 16 games. So do you think that they should 
try and keep gunning for that 10 spot, try and get into that play-in tournament, or do you prioritize development and see what you have? In other words, do you let the Malachi Flynn's, the Chris Boucher's, even the um, the Paul Watson's and the DeAndre Bembry's sort of take a little bit more playing time, just a little bit more playing time to see what you got? What are your thoughts? I don't think – so I'm going to answer with no answer. I don't know. <laughs> and the reason I don't know is – because I think the core question we have to answer or that Masai has to answer probably is can we win with a core and be competitive and win with a core of OG Fred and Pascal? Mm. That's what this team is built around. And I don't know if anyone at this point, and I'd turn it back to you. Like, I don't know if at this point anyone can definitively say that that is going to work or it's not going to work. But I can say that if you don't think that's going to work, then we should be thinking about retooling because right now I think the strategy coming into this season was with those three core players, you could add some pieces and still be competitive. Um, You know, and I think it's difficult to judge partly because of all of the COVID related issues, but first around having to relocate to Tampa, which I don't think was easy. So I cut them a bit of slack for that. And then actually contracting COVID. I can't imagine how difficult uh, that is on, on these guys in terms of, having to recover and then play. Like I know they're elite athletes, but nope. at the same time, well, we, I, yeah, I just don't know. So you're right. You're right. And we don't know what the long-term effects on this could be, right? Like there's, there's, you know, not to get, this isn't a medical podcast in any way. Uh, although I do play uh, a doctor on, uh, on radio. Um, I just think, <laughs> I just think of, um, you're right. Like we don't know the long-term effects in it. You know, there is some stuff that's coming out uh, that's saying that it does have long-term health effects on, your lungs so and like specifically your lung capacity so that that'll definitely affect uh long-term uh you know and high high performance athletes like they are so i you mentioned two things there and i, and I i'm going to take issue with one and then i'm going to agree with you on another um the first thing i'm going to take issue is is the idea of the tampa movement now i would say that the tampa move probably contributed to the two and eight start you're unsettled you don't necessarily know where you where things are you don't but a month after about a month these guys like Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I just look at it and I go, look, these guys get traded all the time. Guys move around all the time. That's part of the business, right? Like at any point you can, I'm not saying they're not human. And so that's why I'm saying about a month, maybe even the first six weeks of the season. But after that, like, this is the reality. You just sort of settle in and it's not like it's, you know, that different from, 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 you know, other than the fact that you're not playing in front of Toronto fans, but so you're basically on the road. So I think that's a, that's a very valid point. The only thing I'd say is like the, one of the most frustrating things about this team though, too, has been how inconsistent they've been, right? Like they've and, been competitive with really good teams yes. and got blown out by terrible teams. Yep. And that's why I wanted to, and that's why I like your other point is whether or not you have to, the, the, key, the core question is, are your, are the three guys you invested in OG, Pascal, Fred, are they enough of a, of a core? And I think it goes back to a little bit of the question that we had before when we had um Damar and Kyle were, were the big core of that team. And, and I guess Serge would be the third part of that. Were they good enough to win? And yeah, so good was... enough to win games, but not good enough to take it to the next level. And then they went and got a superstar in Kawhi, right? For sure. Look, and I, and I don't mean to imply that those three guys, you know, as a core with nothing else are enough. Like, that's for sure not going to be the case. No. Um, and, and so I agree with you 100% there. The only thing I would say, though, is, so, like, our bench has to get better. Like, we need to improve our bench, no question. Um, like, that has been such a te- – like, how, how many games have we won this year 
course, or how many games have you been in this year where the, our bench has outscored the opposition bench? I don't like maybe three. Yeah, it's like you it's, can't win. No, I mean, look, you're right, and I, and I mean the, the the clearest example of that is a couple of years ago before we went on the run and the bench mob, which consisted of Fred and Norm and Serge, and you know what I mean, like, and on and on and on. Um, teams with with some with some length to their rotation, you know, eight nine guys. That's you know. Uh, and you look no further than a team like Brooklyn, um, which has very, which had a very thin bench, and then through buyout market, and don't even get me started on Blake Griffin and his shenanigans. Um, but they've they've now got a, you know, the biggest criticism was, oh, they don't have a bench, you know, beyond the big three, that's it. Well, they've they've lengthened their bench, they've lengthened yeah. it out. Philadelphia, the biggest complaint was that, you know, oh, well, you know, they don't have any shooters around um, Embiid and Simmons, who are, you know not great from the outside. So what do they do? They lengthen their bench with a bunch of shooters. It's, it's a pretty simple configuration. And I'm pretty sure that the Raptors, you know, Masai and Bobby are smart enough to figure that out. But it brings me to the, to the, to the question of whether or not um, they should be playing. You know, how do you develop a bench? Like, yeah. Bambri's not going to get better playing on, you know, watching uh, Kyle play 36 minutes. Malachi has been rolled into the rotation a little more, but you know, like, is he, does he need a bigger role? Do they need to expand that to, you know, basically punt on the rest of this season to pay off next season? But so I think, you know, Fred, Pascal, Chris Boucher, like they all got better in the G league too, right? Like they didn't yeah. come, they didn't come straight to the NBA and just get bench minutes. They, they all developed in the G league. So I think that's an alternative. Um, but, but I think if you're talking about giving those guys more time, I think automatically what we're talking about is tank, right? Like, uh, and I've never it's been, in... for, it's fade for Cade. It's fade for Cade. We have to have full <laughs> nicknames for everything. <laughs> you're right. But I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm there. I just have a hard time. Maybe part of it is like that whole having lived through, you know, the early 2000s and periods mm-hmm. where like they've been so bad for so long, like you couldn't give away tickets. You couldn't like, it was just painful to watch. We've had moments like that are, this season too. Are are you telling me, Dill, that that you didn't enjoy the Mike James era? <laughs> no, <laughs> Jamario Moon and Mike, no, I was oh, I was. Uh... Jamar, that's a, there's the deep cut, you know. Oh wow, <laughs> Mario Moon. So like you know, it was those. I don't. I don't no, just... Now now I have sorry, I have to interrupt, but now I just have visions of of Garth Joseph and Jamario Moon. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, that's, like, who wants, like, after having tasted what we've tasted, like, we've been one of the winningest teams over the last, I think, 12 years in the NBA. I think we're, like, top four in wins, uh, you yeah, know. So, well, like, we're we, the only team that have seven years in a row, right, in the playoffs. That's right. And so, like, you take a look at that and say Toronto, like, you know, I think, let's be honest, Toronto's still a hockey town. People like basketball. I think it's got lots of diehards, like, you know, us that love basketball. But I think... You know, if you're an or it's a business, and if you're the owners, I think it'd be really hard from an economic perspective to take a step back to say we're going to go to mediocrity. Like I have to admit, like to your point, so a lot of what we're discussing too, to me, I, I don't like I don't claim to be smart enough to understand what's in Masai's head. I have a lot of faith in his ability to swing something to make us better, but at the same time, I look at it and say, how different would this team be if we'd have just kept Serge at least? Right, and yeah. I, I don't think that was a huge contract burden. But Aaron Baines has been a complete bust. Like, he's, like, non-existent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I'm going to take, I'm gonna take uh, my full uh, medicine on this one. I actually advocated once, uh, you know, when the, when, the, when the Surge and Marcus Gasol contracts went out, 
I, I was advocating for Aaron Baines because at least he was an, I thought he was a known commodity. Now, in retrospect, I think, um, you know, my over analytical side was like, well, look, he's, he's improved last year. And I looked at Phoenix, but if you look at him historically, he's, he's good for about 15 to 20 minutes a night. And he's actually not bad from like, he's actually, he's performing at the level on which his career, and he's a little under right. in his, in his rebounding this year, but his points and stuff, like, like he's, this is who he is. And to think that we're like, well, he's a starting center now. We've made him a starting center. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, you're right. He is who he is, right? That's right. Um, yeah. So, I, think, so maybe, I think you're right, though. I think if there's one that we could have had back, it was Serge. And, and the other thing I'd say to you, too, that's disturbing, maybe to try to close the you know loop on your question, this team has always won partly because they've been tenacious defenders. Like, that's kept us in games we shouldn't have been in. And mm-hmm. and, and the lack of consistent defense this year, I think – more than anything else for me has been the most problematic thing because sometimes shots aren't falling and you know, you can't, you know, you go, go cold at night, your head's off, whatever. Like you can't always control offense, but you can always control the intensity of your defense. Just play hard, you know? And, and I don't know what it is, but this year the defense has been so inconsistent and it's been so good on good on nights against good teams that, you know, we've managed to play well against and it's been so bad against terrible teams that had no business, you know, being in the game. And so, like that's why I think to answer your question about whether I think we should um, give our, our 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 lesser players more time to see them develop or try and make it into ten spot, I think you got to solve the defense question because neither of those things is going to be an effective strategy unless you can play consistently on defense because you know that's what I think helped us win the championship and helped us be consistently good over the last you know seven or eight years certainly through the Dwayne Casey Nick Nurse eras is that our defense mm-hmm. has been good all the time. Yeah, and I would I would argue that you know, defense. I mean, you're you're a long time basketball observer, right? So you know, defense on any team keeps you keep even if you if you're a bad offensive team, as long as you keep your keep yourself within five to ten points. And now you know, really, fifteen points is is really not insurmountable with the amount of threes that everyone's shooting. But as long as you're within that like five to ten points within the last four or five minutes of a game, you're good. Yeah, like you're in it. Right, like down ten with four to go is is not what it was way back. Nope. Um, but that 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 the only way to do that is through defensive effort, right? Like if, you know, poor shooting nights, um, un, under talented teams. That's the way to, to do it, right? So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I here's the thing about the ten spot, and I'll 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 let you have the last word on this. I don't love the idea of like fighting and clawing and giving everything you can to go and play into a playing tournament where you have to win two games out. But that being said, I, cause I, I just don't trust this team to win two games in a row right now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But if, if that being said, if you can fight and claw and get into it, I guess, um, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have that ticket, right. To be able to, to, to get into the dance. I don't know. Your thoughts on that one. Yeah, look, I agree. You make the playoffs, anything can happen for sure. That that I think there's no doubt, and like a team can get hot, and like we've seen this team, I think they've played to a higher caliber than they've, you know, there've been moments where they played to a really high caliber relative to the rest of the season. The only thing is you don't want to go in at tenth uh, and have the implication on your draft pick, on your lottery picks, and then also get knocked out. So it's a bit of yeah, a non-answer. Right, yeah. But like, look, I, I'm always of the no, view no, you, you just I think win. It's a great answer. Just win. Like I, that's I think all you can control is like you go out and play, you just try and win. So if you ask me, yeah get into the playoffs, anything can happen. And, you know, we've seen in the past too, especially with the league, the way it's designed now, you can always get picks. Just if, if you're willing to rebuild, you can always trade guys for picks. So, 
Um, I, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. If, if that's what you're, if that's what you're thinking you got to do. So speaking of trading though, um, um, that's a good segue to, to the next one I want to talk about, which is, so Norm is gone, right? Um, we all love Norm Powell, but if we're being honest and I was, you know, I, I kind of did this a couple weeks ago on the show. I broke down Norm's numbers. Norm's numbers are, are, are up. Now it looks like he's figured some out because he's being a bit more consistent this year. Although the Portland thing, he hasn't. I mean, he's got to find his place on that team. But when he was with the Raptors, he played really well and he was he was improving. But his numbers are not actually that much different than what he did last year. People kind of are forgetting that. But again, he had that nice run of like seven or eight games where he was just on fire. And I guess, like I said, when you're on a bad team, someone's got to score points. So good for Norm. So Norm, but Norm is gone, and despite what some people want. We're not, he's not coming back. We're not signing him in the offseason. We're not bringing him back. It's not one of those situations. You know, let's move on. Kyle is likely headed out too. And it looks like we probably won't get anything for him because the idea of a sign and trade, why, if I'm Miami or if I'm Philadelphia, why would I trade anything to get him? I just, it's, just, yeah. it's straight cash. Here's, here's the money. Thanks very much. So my question is, and it goes back to the core, are Pascal and OG now available? I don't think Fred's available because I think Fred's your emotional leader and also the guy you can, you know, can see like Kyle is handing the torch to. But are Pascal and OG on um, on the block or are they available, do you think? <sighs> I think that goes, like, again, to a degree, it's this previous conversation is do you still think that, pa- A, do we think Pascal's a max player? And B, do other teams think Pascal is a max player? Because if we think he's a max player, we're not going to trade him. If we don't think so, then we have to believe someone else does because otherwise no one's going to want him. So I think Pascal is a little right. bit more complicated yeah. uh, in that regard. That being said, moving moving money in the NBA is not nope. as hard as we all think it is, right? Like, listen, everyone looked at John Wall in two bad years and, you know, they found a trade. They, they made a trade for him. Everyone thought Chris Paul, there's no way. The only deal that could ever happen is Chris Paul for, for, for Westbrook. And then they did that. And then Chris Paul was dealt again. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, like I, I think moving money is moving money. Like they can they can figure that out. The question is, yeah, to your point, what's the valuation of, of well, well yeah, and I think Chris Paul's still a guy people look at and say this is, you know, top ten, fifteen, whatever player in the NBA and has the ability to kind of impact a team in a tremendous way. I don't know if Pascal has that reputation. I think again, maybe making excuses, but the move and COVID and you know, his bubble performance last mm-hmm. year wasn't great through the playoffs. Like I, I still, I still believe that he can be a better player. Again, a lot is made of the amount of time he's been playing basketball and the fact that he started late. So you see flashes, right? And certainly, like, you know, I've heard lots of people, you know, Kevin Durant and others saying like this guy, if, if you know, he he could be unstoppable in the NBA. But you know, we said that about <laughs> what's the name of that. Uh, two years away, nine years away from being nine years away. Like, I don't know, Bruno, Bruno, like, <laughs> yeah. So Bruno? it's Pascal one year from being one year. Like, I don't, I don't know from that. Like, I, 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 that's not a fair comparison in all, in all honesty. Like, you know, I think Pascal is a, a very good player. Is he a great player? I think that's what we're all hoping he turns into, but he hasn't demonstrated that yet. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, um, so I, the comparison I have, and again, this is not fair to, to Pascal either. But the comparison is, is a bit like um, the – so if you think of the 2019 Raptors, he was basically the Pippen to, yep. to um, Kawhi's Jordan, right. right? He was the second best player, and in, uh, and many times you could count, count on him to get the basket uh, that you needed. 
But the Pip, but then when Pippen took over, so Jordan retires, quote unquote. I'm retiring to play baseball. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> let's all let's let, let's not talk about the gambling at all. Last dance. Whatever. Um, but like, come on. I'm a conspiracy theory, I guess, but I I don't buy that he just retired for him to come back a couple of years later. I I think that there was a little bit more like, hey, Michael, you got to do you got to pick something here, and I think he he just needed a break. Um, but when Pippen took over the bull took over as the as the as the lead dog for the Bulls, they were still a good team, but they weren't the dominant team. Well, yeah, right? first... and Pippen proved that he's not the guy. He's a great player, top, you know. I think that top, remember that top 50 that came out, yeah. like the 50 year anniversary and he was the top 50 players. I thought that was a bit generous, but okay, sure. Um, Scotty Pippen is a very good player, a hall of fame player, but he wasn't the lead dog. And I think that's the same thing with Pascal. We're, we're seeing that in real time. Pascal is a very good player and on nights can be dominant, but he's not, he's not a, he's not a true, and, and this is not a knock on him because I don't think a lot of players I don't think a lot of number one player, uh, our players are number one, like true, you know, game changing, franchise altering number ones. I think we bet on him and saying, hey, this is a guy. And to be honest, there's a lot of guys who are max contract, <laughs> like Pascal. We're not alpha dogs, right? But you, you, I think you're but right. The question is, can you move forward with him as your highest paid player? Well, or for how long is your highest paid player? But I, I agree with you in the sense of, like, I think everything right. you said is accurate. Like, I don't think. Like I think past one of the things that we saw the beauty of Kawhi, like you know, the, the, of his game is like, and I think guys of his nature, like that's like a very elite part of the NBA is guys who can create their own shots under any circumstance. Like you could give Kawhi the ball at any point in the shot clock, anywhere on the court, and if he wants to create a shot, he'll either create a great shot or a good shot for himself, or he'll create a great shot for somebody else. That is a very, um, you know, limited number of players in the NBA who have that skill. And I don't think Pascal's that guy, but if he's that guy who can take that pass from Kawhi and create a good shot or a great shot for himself or in transition, he's a strong, like a, a, a great at getting to the hoop. But I think, you know, dead ball late in the shot clock, there's very few guys who can create something from that. And I don't think Pascal has demonstrated that skill yet. And maybe he never will. Whereas I think that's where Kawhi excelled. And so to your point, I think, you know, I, I think we shouldn't expect him to be that either at this point, maybe, and maybe we were, but um, he's not that. And so, so no. I agree with that. The other guy, like just quickly on OG, like I wouldn't trade OG personally because I don't think you're expecting him to be the guy who's going to go out and put up, you know, 30 a night. You know, I think he's a guy you say is going to get 15 to 20 points, maybe have a good night, get 25. He's going to be a lockdown defender. And he, he doesn't, in my mind, at least make a lot of mistakes. Like he's a, he's a solid you know, out of that big three, like the number three guy, like that's the guy, like I, I have a lot of faith in OG um, in his ability to, to play that role. Just don't expect him to be more than that. And, and you know, if he does, no, I then agree. great. But if not, then that's what you're paying for. I think, I think if, I think, uh, uh, I think for the value for that kind of, and you know, all these numbers are inflated, right? Like, let's be honest, the, you know, everyone looks at numbers and goes, oh, but relative to the play, to, the productivity yep. that he brings and what he does for your team. What is it? 18, right? I think next his contract, his extension kicks in next year. It's like 18. That's, that's reasonable money. in yep. the NBA For a guy who gives you if, what he gives uh, you. I you agree. Know. Yeah. And I agree. So I wouldn't, I also wouldn't trade OG because I think here's the, here's the one, you know, like he is 
and this is not a well, this is a terrible comparison, but it's the first one that came to mind. But he's the he's the he's the McDonald's, he's the Pizza Hut of 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 you know, like you know what you're getting. Yeah. It's consistent right. every time. It, it may not be it may not be the most fancy thing. It may not be the greatest thing. Um, but every single time you go, you're like, I know what I'm getting. I know what yeah. OG's going to give me. He's going to give me between 15 and 20 points. He's going to get me six boards. He's going to get a couple of steals, and he's going to play really hard defense on yeah. the best player. On the Almost team. regardless of position, too, like in terms of who he's guarding. Like he's, yeah. he's locked up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, again, he was playing when we played Phoenix the other day. He was on Aiton for yeah. a long time, and he's given up like good three four three inches on like i think it's what's he's what six yeah. seven six eight something like that and ayton's got to be six ten six eleven and ayton's you know ayton's not uh especially this year deandre ayton is it is not a uh, no. an easy mark like it's not like he's just oh well i just got to guard him within no. six feet of the basket like he could well and i think that that i mean we didn't talk about this at all in, in our broad-ranging discussion so far but i think if you talk about what i think uh you know our, our biggest issue right now is well one of our bigger issues is size right like i just think that even when you got boucher or baines yes. on the court the way they play like it's just they're not they're not you know asserting their size and so well, Boucher is kind of wiry anyways, but I just think like you talk about um, one of our challenges, we got to get bigger, but yeah. So I think, um, sorry for the segue or the sidebar there, but, uh, but I think that's no, one of our no, challenges. No. And Fred, like you said, I agree with you on Fred. Like I wouldn't trade Fred. Like the guy has been rock solid. He, he's like, like mini Kyle. And like, you know, I agree with you. I think we're going to lose Kyle. And as much as I hate to say it, cause you know, you love the guy. He's no, no question of mine whatsoever. He's the greatest Raptor of all time. Um, but, but, uh, yeah. but Fred, I think is just, you know, from a heart and soul of the team and doing the right things. And, you know, I, I don't think you're going to upgrade from that position. No, I, in fact, I don't know that you, you, you're going to ask. So I think this is the, this is the best Fred's going to be. I honestly, I don't think there's that much more room for him to improve. That being said, he's been really great. So I would take him. And I, I think he. If he was your, if you call him your point guard, because it's kind of hard to say because he's playing the two, is he playing the one? It's kind of a hybrid thing. And the, the more and more we go into basketball, the yeah. less positions really matter as long as you, you know, have uh, guards and wings and, and, and bigs, you know, as opposed to traditional For one sure. through five positions. But I, if you want to rank him as a point guard, I, you know, to me, if he's your starting point guard, you're fine. I agree. You're totally okay. Um. So really the question is, and since we've said two of the three of those guys are, Pascal is the, is the the variable I think because Pascal has a I think Pascal still has the highest ceiling of all three guys, but he also has you know the yeah. biggest room for disappointment. Well, we are expecting a lot from him, so, right? Yeah. All right. Um, I would per. Well, we are. Well, again, you, we are expecting a lot because he's shown that he's yeah, capable yeah. of doing a lot, right? Um, but if you do, I mean, if, listen, if you do put Pascal up in or, or or if you're listening to offers on Pascal, I think you're you're asking for a a on back a useful rotation player a bench piece and at least uh one or two like if, if paul george gets you the entire uh clippers draft don't you think that pascal gets you something at least comparable i know he's not been the same level of hype that paul george but if you look at the numbers and you look at the con- con- sort of yeah. ascendancy i think that pascal gets you in the ballpark of paul and george, age too right he's still young yeah yeah well i think he's 27 i think yeah yeah. The other night, 26, 27. Yeah. So like, you know, he's still, and, and he doesn't right. have an injury history. Like Paul, people, you know, Paul George was, it was incredible that he's back and I, you know, 
kudos to him, but that, that yeah, we all remember potentially that career that ending, was, right? Right, and so and 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 it took him, you know, close to a season to fully get back to some of that explosiveness. So yeah, I think if 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 I don't, I'm not advocating for a Pascal trade, but if you're looking at putting all these things on the table and saying how do we improve, Pascal's your probably your best movable asset to bring back a, yeah. a sizable return. Okay, so the last one is just more fun because I thought it was uh, I thought this was a fun topic. So speaking of Paul George, he re-ups with the clip. Remember, he signed the two uh, the two plus. Uh, options deal in um, in LA same same thing as Kawhi. Paul George says, "Yeah, I'm here. I'm in. Right? I want it." LeBron James signs his deal, waits for Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis resigns his extension, so LeBron extends his. Basically, he gets into the Bron years. <laughs> you know, when Bronny's draft year, um, LeBron is going to be a free agent. Hmm. Can anyone say Memphis Grizzlies? Maybe we should or, tank for or, that. Or, then you know, uh, they're all going to go play with. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> there's a new strategy. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, oh, yeah, we don't have a cool nickname for for Brawny. Like, um, <laughs> I, I I can't even think of something like where you know, like like yeah. the NFL had sucked for luck, right? Like when Andrew Luck was coming out, and like, fade for Cade, and you know, I I don't know. I'll, I'll have to work on that. I'll work on that. But Kawhi hasn't signed his deal yet. Kawhi hasn't signed an extension yet. And I guess, you know, part of it is that he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, keep my options open. And Kawhi is a bit of an enigma, but does that mean anything? Or is he, you know, or should other teams be like, but, well, hey, keep an eye on this? Or is it just, I think it's know, a bit of Kawhi Kawhi being Kawhi. I think part of it is the business of the NBA. Like, I think, you know, if you had a gun, if you're, like, you know, a caliber of Kawhi or LeBron or, you know, those, are, you know, there's probably three or four guys in that, in that, you know, AD probably, Giannis, like there's a definite business strategy. Like prior to COVID, the salary cap was going up every year. We saw huge numbers. And again, pre-COVID, everybody thought the the, the cap was going to go up because basketball continues to grow in in popularity. So I think there's definitely, you know, a business strategy to say if I keep my contract short, I know I'm going to I have confidence in my ability to continue to play at the level I'm playing at. I can just get bigger and bigger money. And then if at some point I start feeling like I'm at the tail of my career, getting to that point, then I'll take a longer term contract to lock in more money. So I can certainly see like a business end to that. Um, and also leverage, right? Like I think, you know, it's hard to understand why Kawhi would have any doubts about the Clippers commitment to winning, giving what they've given up to get the Tim, the team that he wanted to your point about the, the draft picks and, you know, the amount of money that they've thrown at uh, that team but I think in terms of maximizing your optionality and your leverage and negotiating, like I think that's a, it's a good strategy what he's done. So that's all I think it is. I don't think he's moving no way. Cause you know, I mean, arguably if he wanted to, he would have had a better chance of, in my opinion, of winning in Toronto, if he'd have stayed in Toronto, they'd have kept that team together. Like I think they had a chance to repeat. Um, so like I think yep. being in LA close to where he grew up, his family, like I think those things matter to him. And I think, you know, it's hard to argue that the Clippers haven't done everything they can to win. So why would he move? And where would he go? Well, funny you mention that. The teams with the most cap space, Toronto. He's not, and you know, for any Raptor fans <laughs> listening to the show, he's not coming back. Your your, your boyfriend has left. Yeah. And, you, you know, I know you still have, you know, the hairbrush. You may still have some of, you know, a box nope. full of his stuff, but he's not coming back for it. He doesn't want, he doesn't want that BB nope. and that Bell Bib yeah. CD. He just doesn't care about it anymore. <laughs> he, he's got Spotify. Move on. 
he's not coming back. It's not, you know what I mean? Like he's just, it's just like this, this pipe dream that Kawhi's going to come back here and they're going to reunite the band. No, it's not going to happen. So moving on. Miami has, has a max spot for him. And I'm just saying playing in the, the West is always loaded, but if you put him and Jimmy Butler, um, hero, but, Resign Robinson. But is that isn't that, just, isn't that just isn't that just like an East Coast version saying. of what you think you have with the Clippers? Like, except that your guy you have younger guys, and it's the you know it's the anti-LeBron formula where you know LeBron comes to a team and basically says, "Hey, you're young and you can't win yet. All right, get out of here. I need I need guys. I, need I don't know. But if Kawhi goes there, there's there's a there's youth, there's length. And there's an easier path to the finals, so if he goes to my and you know you know it's Miami, so yeah for sure. But like nice again, I I, I think if you're in Toronto and you go to Miami, if you're in LA and you go like just like, so from a lifestyle perspective, LA to Miami, I'm not sure there's a huge difference. You make a, a valid point about age. Yeah, it is better for taxes, except for yeah, taxes yeah, for sure. But it's funny except though because taxes. it seems like he left money on the table. He left money on the table <laughs> leave here because he got could have got more money here, right? X taxes here. He left. He left. Yeah, no, I, I'm surprised. Like Kawhi, I don't think is driven solely by the by the by the dollars. Because you're right. When he left San Antonio, he gave up the supermax. So the supermax to the max is at that point, I think, was seventy million dollars. So we just left seventy million dollars just getting traded to the Raptors to say, get me away from Greg Popovich and the Spurs. And then he gave up another year here, which was another like what I think seventy five. So he, he left a hundred and something million on the table to get to the Clippers. To get to yeah, Ellen. and so like I, I, I am sure they're gonna throw kind um, of like in whatever forty odd million a year at him in, in LA. So hard to like. So I think to your point, it's got to be about more than money. So like, you know, is it is it going to be? Because I think the LA will spend into the cap. Like this is play money for uh, for um, yeah. This this is play money. Like he didn't care. Ballmer? So oh yeah. Like I think he wants yeah. to win, and he and he'll he doesn't he doesn't care what it costs <laughs> him, and so he'll pay whatever it takes and. So I think they're going to throw like you know whatever it's required to get Kawhi to to play. They'll they'll pay him. Yeah, listen, that's right. Dennis, Dennis, Dennis wants <laughs> they'll a do house. whatever's required. Sure, whatever you need, man. I mean, he just went and bought the the, the thing that the you know kind of an aside, but you know to your point about Steve Ballmer, he went and bought the L.A. Um, the Forum, right? He went and bought the Forum recently <laughs> for cash. Like he didn't, it didn't, it wasn't like this was a leverage thing where he's like, oh, I'll put up a little bit, but you know, finance the, he just literally straight wrote a check and bought the, uh, the, the forum, the home of, of, yeah, my of team growing up. Like your, your team, but this guy, up, I think like the Showtime Lakers. he's, I think, worth north of 40 now, right? Billion. And so, like, I think at a certain point, like, I, I can't really relate to that. I wish I yeah. could, but I can't. So, like, I think, you know, two billion here, two billion there. <laughs> oh, you're being modest, Bill. Come on. Two man. billion here or there, like, I think it's kind of, you know, hey, whatever. It's going to cost me $250 million or $275 million in payroll for the Clippers. Ah, who cares? You know, the interest on the, the – my Microsoft dividends will pay that. It's okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's just getting – he's not even getting off the principal. He's just getting literally – Paying it off on interest on the on yeah. the dividend on the quarterly payouts, the you know you're right you're right. I think the thing with with the Clippers is they're not going. No. This isn't the Clippers that we thought before, right? This isn't the they are the second LA team because the Lakers have you know forever been the team, um, and rightfully so. I mean they're 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 
they're tied with the Celtics now for the most championships. They're they're one of the premier organizations in the NBA, if not in all of North American sports. So the Lakers brand is always going to be, you know, have this mystique. But this isn't the Clippers where they were like, yeah, you know, oh, there's the Lakers and then the other guys. The Clippers are are, are a legit organization now, and you know they're they're serious, and to, to, they have more, their owner is actually yeah. you know they have deeper pockets than the Lakers, right? So they can go. But and money do doesn't they solve want this problem. I see, this see, the, see money. The problem that we've seen What's in that? sports professionally across all sports is money alone doesn't solve the problem. There's a magic here in terms of building teams no, and having the right chemistry and having the right people and the right culture. That's not easy to replicate. So to your like, I think you're right. Money is not the issue here. Like, but do they have a team that's like they're on paper? Like, it's such a talented team. Why can't they win? Yeah, you know what it is. Yeah. Is I don't think they're a team. So when when Kawhi came here, he was. I remember there was there was a bit of Kawhi and other guys, right? That was like there was. I'm not saying that he didn't merge with the team and he didn't get along with his teammates, but Kawhi in and of himself, I think, is not the most. He's not a he's not a a premium lead. He's not a Chris Paul where he you know takes the you know I'm I come in and I'm the leader and I'm going to bring guys in with me. Kawhi just thought, wants to just yeah. you know be an amazing basketball player and he does a great job but this was that was what kyle and fred and that's why kyle and fred were the emotional leaders of that team and and surge to a certain extent too because surge was sort of the bridge right like he could he and Kawhi clicked you know we saw that so they're not a team and and this is the difference between you know a collection of like on paper or like fantasy stats (laughs) or like you know like when you play 2k and you're like, you just, I'm going to get every guy that has 90 plus. I just want to, you know, I'm going to lock, yeah, lock yeah. all these guys. Cause it doesn't, cause chemistry doesn't really affect it. But in real life, the Clippers aren't a team. And we saw that last year, as soon as the, the, they were eliminated from the playoffs, all the stories that came out about how Paul George and Kawhi were on this Island. And then you know what? I think, I think it's an excellent, like, I think that whole concept yeah. of team, like, I think it's under people talk about it, but I don't think any of us, you know, can really appreciate it in the sense, well, sorry, I shouldn't say that. At least those of us who've never played professional sports, like, yeah, I can appreciate it to a degree in the sense of like, yeah, I played on high school teams or, you know, intramural teams or whatever. Like, yeah, you love that stuff Mm -hmm. and you wanted to, you wanted to, like, you can appreciate how much more you're willing to give and how unselfish you can be when it's really about that culture of winning and nobody cares about who's the star. Like, and I think that to your point is like, I think Toronto, because they so many of them were together for so long, like they had that and then bringing in a, a, an extra piece uh, makes it easier because there's not as much of an adaption required by so many people. But when you bring a whole piece of, a bunch of pieces together, I think it takes time for that to gel. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, to a lesser extent, it's, it, I mean, team, team sports, especially like, you know, basketball and football or hockey or whatever they require a certain level of um they require a high level sorry a high level of of interconnectivity right you have to know what the other person's going to do so that way you can you know it's not just you're always reacting so you can be somewhat proactive when you're running yeah. an offense or whatever right you need to know the tendencies in the, but to a lesser extent you know if you work in any kind of team environment at work be it you know like an uh offices or in my profession in the education profession it's often thought about well the teachers are all on their own but they're not because you're relying on some of you're relying on the children you work with the students you work with but you're also relying on like 
can trust. I turn to this person? Yeah, can, I, can I turn to my colleagues for support and things yeah, like that, right? right? It's, all, it's a much smaller scale. And so that's where I think coaching is the ultimate form of management, right? Like I'm in a management position now in my current job and I read coaching books all the time. Um, you know, uh, Nick Nurse's book, I just, I, I read most of it. Um, and, uh, you know, like Phil, Phil Jackson's I've read, uh, I'm trying to remember the football coach I read the other, the, the other year, but anyway, because you take, you can pull from these things, right? You can pull from these, these little nuggets about how to motivate and how to do it. And that's why I think that when you look at someone like Nick Nurse and that 2019 Raptor team, cause we're all going to live in our glory. The job wasn't that he was great at X and O's, although he is a very creative and you know interesting coach that way. It's that he was able to manage bringing in this enigma that is Kawhi, who's an amazing player, yeah, and keep his team culture together. And that's something that you know to to not not to knock Doc Rivers, but I don't think that that Doc Rivers invested as much time in that, or seemingly didn't invest as much time in how do we build this culture? Yeah, I think how do that's we build right. And maybe it came from above. Because, you know, the reports of, of, hey, the planes are late because Kawhi's living in yeah. San Diego and f- driving up, you know, the, the PCH just to get up to the, to the flight. Well, I think to your that's, point is, too, is like, I don't think, like, that's, the, like, we talked about the antithesis of a team, though, right? Like, there has to be, like, you could have stars on a team. Everybody knows who the, who the performers are. But at the same time, is like, there has mm-hmm. to be a comparable level of accountability and other things in terms of, you know, those, those things that impact others. You have to be conscious that allowing somebody to have a pass and not have the same rules apply entirely. Like, I think that's a very, very, that's a downhill, that's a, you know, a, a, a tough hill to climb and a downward slope in terms of morale and other stuff. Because, you know, even though, if, even if you appreciate that this guy is a superstar and you understand, it's hard not to be resentful. So, like, I do think that that's difficult to do. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at just just look yeah. no further than the than the last dance, right? And uh, you know, I referenced it earlier. And I, I mean, listen, that was a very skewed look. We know Michael Jordan was the executive producer, or whatever. So I don't. So even what we saw, I think, was just a small part of it. But like Michael was in the was in the training room playing cards with the security guards. He wasn't palling around with his teammates, but you know, there was a certain understanding. And again, the the joy, the, the genius of Phil Jackson was you know to get everybody yeah. to, to play their part. But, you know. But on yeah. the flight, Michael was right there, and he was, you know, busting chops, and he was—he wasn't sitting at the back of the plane by himself. He wasn't, you know, headphones on. And this is this is a thing that I think um, uh, is a little under um, appreciated now. And this is not just at basketball or athletes, but you know, keep it on this topic. Is the idea that we're all kind of in our own little bubbles, right? Like the minute you pick up your phone, you're it's you're connected yeah. to whoever's whoever's. Yeah, yeah for sure. Right, and so when you're on a on a flight or on a bus, and you're, you have your noise canceling headphones, your Beats on, and you've got your your phone, you're connected. That's right. But you're not connected to the guys on your team. Yep. You're I think that's to very true. Else. And you can't pick up on all the nuances you know I mean? and get to know. Like I think there's that's and absolutely think, true. You know, and and in and in the COVID season of this, you know, this year, the yep. guys aren't going out for dinner because you just can't. Right. So I think it's even more uh, incumbent upon teams and coaches and the leaders on teams to really put so, so this, this very much argues for you know what the Raptors used to talk about 
uh, in terms of, you know, they want continuity on the teams. Like, you know, you want to build around the same teams because of these issues that yes. you're describing. So, um, you know, as the season progresses, it'll be interesting to see who, who actually, you know, which teams actually do excel as we get into playoffs. Because, um, you know, it, to your point is like those things, like continuity will matter more this year because you don't have the ability to gel with new people and whatnot. Right, which is why I think a team that – that's why I'm looking at the, – the, the rate, the turnover rate in the NBA is, is never been higher than, than the past, you know, two or three seasons, I think, like the amount of turnover. And I can't think of a team that is, like, completely, completely um, – stuck together you know and built other than you know, again but yeah. i think that's what you're seeing in the rise of utah yeah that's why phoenix is, is rising you know um but i do think uh a team like milwaukee which has you know been crushed um not not necessarily crushed in the scores but like crushed in ter- emotionally in terms of having to like build yourself up build yourself up. for the most part that team's been together like drew holiday kind of slid in this year and then they picked up PJ Tucker and I think PJ Tucker is one of those guys who's yeah. you know he's a vet he knows what to do right. he knows to play his part he just comes in and does his thing um so I that's why I, I'm not sleeping completely on Milwaukee uh I don't necessarily have them coming out because you know yeah. um Brooklyn and and Philly have looked really good but I I honestly wonder what happens in Brooklyn if they run into any kind of I like know, man. that team is too stacked man you know James Harden is saying all the right things, but See, I don't it's funny. I, I don't trust Philly. Like I, don't, I don't. I just. I don't trust Philly. I don't think. To your point about like, I don't see the type of leadership skills that we saw from you know close to us in Toronto and Kyle and and um, and Fred even in a championship season. I don't see that in Philly. Like I just don't see Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons being those guys. So I, I really don't. Whereas I think if you talk no. about Kyrie for all his many failings, like like he's a weird dude, but between him and Kevin, like, <laughs> and there, yeah, and, 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 and more than any, even like Durant to me is a guy I think that can, like, just he he's just between three of them, they're just too good, man. Like, and they've got pieces around it. Like, I just can't imagine them not winning yeah. the East. It's just no. they're just that team is just too good. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the only yeah, thing yeah, that right. can de- derail them is them. I think they can derail themselves. Uh, I don't see any, you know, any real like they're gonna play the the second team of, in the play-in, right? So like, arguably, it's gonna be the eighth, ninth, or tenth best best team in the in the in the the conference at the end of the regular yeah, season. That's not a problem for them. Then they're gonna play the you know. The fourth or fifth best team in the in the conference again, not a problem for them. So really, we're talking about yeah. they're going to play probably Milwaukee or Philly in the conference, and I don't see a problem with as them. long as they stay healthy. Yeah. Like they just don't. When you get to the finals, yeah, yeah. Again, this is all based on health, and you know, again, them you know continuing to buy into whatever you know they're selling. The question is, when they get to the finals, whoever could come out of the West will be a little more tested so like there will be adversity for any team to come out of the west and i think at the beginning of the year even a, you know a month ago we we're probably all saying, no, it's probably the lakers probably the lakers yeah i, I mean know. i i think i, I think watching you know um 80 that's 80's right but i, I think what like you're right so like I, I think 
I agree with everything you said. I think watching a Lakers Nets final with both teams healthy, like I'd toss a coin. Oh yeah, yeah. And would you? But see, so the, the my pet question has always been uh, this season: is are the Jazz for real? Because if you buy into the Jazz are real, the Jazz look really good. Yeah, and there it's it's team ball versus individual ball. And if you put them against Brooklyn, they're really good because they're they're the, Utah is the sum of its parts, and they have a deeper bench, and they are you know they have you know I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell and can't is canceled uh, cancels out James Harden, but I am saying that that it's a lot closer than people would necessarily I give think, credit. I think look, that's a very valid, and I think Denver is a good team. Like I think the West is like you know stacked. There's a lot of teams that are very good that could come out of the West. I just think if you got a healthy LeBron and a healthy AD, like I think the Lakers are just like they're too good. And it's the same thing as like okay, the yeah, Clippers. Like if Paul George is like you know, I I used to be a huge Paul George fan in the Indiana days. Like I thought he was a you know exceptional player, but like I've just he's kind of fallen off year after sure. year. Like for me, just something I don't know what it is, but there's something there that I just again having confidence in his ability to step up for big games. I just don't see it anymore, and so. Like, again, we could have the same conversation about the Clippers. Like, the Clippers should be – we should be in the same conversation that we're having with – about the Jazz and about the Nuggets. But I just – they haven't gelled. And so, like, I don't have the same confidence. Yep. It's like my conversation with Philly. There's something about Philly that I just – you know, remember when we used to talk about the Raptors and the it factor and Paul Pierce and, like, you know, until Kawhi came, they didn't have it. Like, I don't know what it is, but maybe you need to win – at that level before you can have the confidence to say, I know what it's like to be on that big stage or something. But, like – I just don't see it with those teams. And that's why you put LeBron and AD there. And LeBron is the type of player is transcend, you know, transcend transcendental in the sense of like in those big games, like it's very rare that he doesn't step up. Oh, he's no. Yeah. He's yeah. It's, it's remarkable what he's able to do still and able to crank it up. Um, we started, and the funny thing is we got, we got to this point <laughs> because we started about where's Kawhi going next year. And I totally forgot the obvious we uh, we forgot the obvious de- destination with the most cap space. <laughs> he's obviously going to the Oklahoma City It's it's he's just decided that you know I, I'm tired of Toronto and its big city. I'm tired of LA and its wonderful life, you know, style. I got to go to the middle of the country in a place, you know, that is basically a. a I'm not knocking Oklahoma City. I've never been there, but from you know what I've seen, it's like you yeah. know I need to go to a place where there's just open spaces. Yeah, that, I think that's a low problem. That's what, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't take the odds on that one. Or or maybe he really loved the bubble and he's going to the Magic. Maybe maybe he'll force his way to the Orlando Magic. You're right. He, just, he, he right. wants to be close the to uh, the other coast, like much like Miami. I don't want to go to Miami <laughs> because I don't want to be on uh, on uh, uh, Jimmy Butler's team. I want to go to Orlando and make my own team again, my own super team again. Let's try it on the other coast. Maybe it'll work. <laughs> my own. Yep. Yep. He, he, he saw an early cut of Space Jam and decided that that's, you know... <laughs> Well, that's the show this week. Big thank you to Dill Graywall for joining me and discussing all things hoops and Raptors. Um, great addition to the roster. We hope to see you again soon, Dill. If you like the show, please like, share, follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Spotify is a great spot for that. And as always, stay home, stay safe, and we'll talk to you again in seven days.